us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. Live from the X Pit, it's time for more. Ah! Ah! Why are we suddenly live from places? I thought we were just in a comic book shop. How can you have the dinging of the door for the uh, comic book shop if we're live in a exit? <laughs> like the book we're going to be talking about today. You're overthinking this. You're overthinking this, Jay. <laughs> Don't okay. worry about our internal continuity. People will find the last comic shop. It's on all the podcasters. It's very simple to find. But what do we do here every single season? We review and talk about comic books. That's right. We open the shop up, wherever it may be, to newbies to help them find their way underneath the big comic book tent. And we keep the lights on for those oldies who want to level up by talking about one of the best books of the 2000s in my mind. Oh, yeah. No, there's no question. I I would wholeheartedly agree with that i'm the host of the most andy larson i'm joined by chad smith and J. A. scott as well as our great friend mikey wood yay mikey thanks so much for joining us for a third season longer than firefly last it's <laughs> true we still got two more seasons to go before we catch farscape oh okay yeah but we definitely killed like mantis and <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. <laughs> good pull, good pull. So, uh, in any case, uh, another good pull that we're having on this week's show is Mr. Miracle by Tom King and Mitch Jarrett's. Yeah, I think we're going to go back to our whole starting and stopping seasons with Tom King books. Hopefully, by the end of season three, you'll get Human Target. Unless Chad makes us read it before then, because he's champing at the bit. Champing! It's champing! So good. <laughs> That's how we talk when we're at the stable. And speaking of stables, uh, one of the staples uh, of the last comic shop is uh, doing our weekly polls. Yes, uh, ever since... The olden days when they first started, Jay Scott's been nice enough to put out a weekly poll every week at the Last Comic Shop over on our Twitter page, at Last Comic Shop, which still exists. Twitter's still there, I think. So, Jay, it's a short poll recap this week with only four polls we're going to be looking at. That is correct. Four polls. The first one... New year, new season for Comic Cons. What is your favorite part of a Comic Con? Is it meeting comic book creators? Is it finding those hard-to-find back issues and hopefully getting a good deal on them? Or is it seeing what the MCU or the DCU is cooking up the new five years or ten years, whatever, they've they've got those big boards with all the different logos, (laughs) stuff that's coming out. Or finally, Mikey Wood's favorite, cosplay <laughs> right is that what you voted for mikey did you vote for the cosplay is no you- i voted for random nudity but then you removed it um oh, yeah. no that, i voted for meeting cosplay, I, I voted right? for meeting creator i really like meeting creators i'm a fanboy like i like like i really do i have a good time especially when they're super cool which yeah. for the most part they are is that what you said too, Chad? Uh, yeah, it's it's always nice to go and be able to express gratitude for the people that have made the things that we spent all this time talking about and digging into. 
Although it was a close race because, as you know, Andy, you've been to cons with me. I I have a lot of love in my heart for finding cheap trades and (laughs) giant stacks of comic books to haul back to the car. That's true. That's true. Last con we were at, uh, he was wheeling and dealing. He would walk up to some, how much do you want for all of these? And they were like, ah, and they gave him a bulk price. It was like he was buying Mm. mayonnaise at Costco. Mm. Please don't um, make that analogy ever again. That's <laughs> I just threw up in my mouth. What was what was the winner here, JA? Uh the winner, no real surprise, was meeting comic book creators. Okay. Getting your photo taken, getting that special issue you have signed, having a, a quiet word or two, or if you're in the last comic book shop, sitting down and talking to them for a while. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, we we met so many great people at cons and they're always so gracious with their time and everything. By the way, Jay, what did you vote for? Cosplay. (laughs) (laughs) Do they have a convention in in the Philippines? Do they have like a... a They have a cosplay convention. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. What was poll number two, Jay? This was in line with the new uh, Wakanda Forever movie that came out. Best Underwater Governance. Runs his kingdom under the sea the best. Is it Namor? Is it Aquaman? Is it the Snorks? <laughs> or is it SpongeBob SquarePants? Oh, good lord. There's like a drop off. Two to three, it's just like. I was really disappointed that the Snorks didn't get more votes. <laughs> no, no representation <laughs> from King Triton? I was thinking more Ursula. Ursula. Ooh, Much yes. better, really, if you think about it. So, so ultimately, who won in this poll? I think it uh, was Namor. Namor, like, took it with seventy-two percent. Not even you close. Mean Namor. Namor. <laughs> yeah, Namor. Sorry, sorry. He is Namor. stronger than a whale, and he can swim anywhere. And he has an awesome theme song. I don't know if like Aquaman has as cool of a theme song as Namor does. What, who did you vote for, Mikey, though? You well, remember? Aquaman, just because I'm a DC guy. But, you know, Namor's Spock with wings on his feet. That's all. <laughs> no, Namor, I like him best when he decides to be a jerk. Like, sometimes he's, like, very heroic and, like, a, like a good guy. But then sometimes he's like, I'm going to find Sue Richards and I'm, I'm going to do nasty things to her. <laughs> and, and I'm going to go and attack New York or something. Just for the hell, just because. Right! You know? There are issues where, like, I don't know, Namor, like, floods the entire city of New York. Just like, for the hell of it. killing millions of people. Yeah. More people than probably Dr. Doom's ever killed. Namor's, he's got a rap sheet a mile long. But, yeah, he does it for his peeps. He does it yeah. for those people of Atlantis. Go ahead, well, Jay. I was going to say, I think New Yorkers just look at Namor as, like, you know, that's like the blackout. Oh, we had the Namor flooding. We had the blackout in 72. They need, they need to wash thing. the streets some, somehow. Right. Like, you know, it just yeah. washes the That's all it is. They, he's got an agreement with the it's mayor. Like, he's a New Yorker. As long yeah. as it's not killing out the Yankees, who cares? Right. <laughs> and there's another flood. They got to wash all that Costco mayonnaise out of the street. It goes to Stan Lee. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's number three, J.A. Favorite Thanksgiving film. This was a non, non-comic non book related a bit, but uh, we try to do that over Thanksgiving. Take a break. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, the great John Candy movie. Avalon, didn't get a lot of votes. Home for the Holidays, which got even less votes. And a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Ah, yes. That, that was my vote. Hands down. Anytime you can eat toast and popcorn and jelly beans as a meal... 
you're a winner in my book. Uh, but that I, that didn't win at all. No, no. Planes, trains, and automobiles <laughs> with nearly 60% because, you know, it's John Candy. You can't yeah. go wrong. Well, it's John Candy and John Hughes. Here's a question for the whole group. Which is a better movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles or Uncle Buck? Ha-ha. That's, that's why I'm the host, because I give you the hard mm. questions. Chad? Yeah. Mm. I don't want to choose. <laughs> yes, I want the gristle and Steve Martin. Mikey? Right. Hey, lady, here's a quarter. Why don't you go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face? Um, <laughs> they're two different things. Complete Avalon's a really good movie, by the way, but they're like two completely different things. And you didn't have Thanks Killing on the on the list, and that's depressing. Oh, okay. I've never even seen that. J.A., what, what? Did you what, what did you what are you voting for? Uh, between Uncle Buck and Planes Trains, I it they're two different movies. You can't really I I, I feel bad putting one above the other. They should come in like a classic VHS double pack. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. That's true. See, the, the obvious answer is Uncle Buck. I mean, he makes a pancake using a snow shovel. Like, that's... I had to rewatch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles this this because I, I couldn't remember the end. So. It's one of the more serious of the John Hughes movies, which is which is cool. She's having a baby and stuff like that, but... Ew. <laughs> that's a great movie. She's it is a great a movie. Yeah. Uh, what was number four, J.A.? Uh, number four was last year, maybe, or the year, even maybe two years ago, we had asked, who's your favorite new Fantastic Four member? Uh, She-Hulk won that one. This time we asked, who is your favorite original Fantastic Four member? Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, The Thing, or The Human Torch? Okay. And uh, we'll go around real quickly since we got four. Chad, your vote on this? This is a tough one. I I love The Thing. I love The Human Torch. I, I'm not a big Mr. Fantastic fan. But uh, Sue Storm gets my vote just because mm. she's Mama Bear. You do not mess with Mama Bear. She's the most powerful of them all and the most beautiful and elegant of them all and just the best of us all. She's well, Sue Storm. Mm-hmm. Mikey? I like Thing. Okay. Yeah. J.A.? Yeah. I went with Sue Storm. You don't <laughs> poke the bear. <laughs> Unless <laughs> you're Namor. Unless you're Namor. Oh! You could poke her all the time. He just poked her twice on Sundays. No, the answer is the thing. And I think he was ultimately the one that won. I mean, your ever-loving blue-eyed thing, he's the best. He really is. He's the heart and soul of that team. And he's the only one, I hate to say it, with any sort of pathos. And you get a little bit of that with Sue Storm because she was put down or she was considered not an important member for so many years that she's she's gained so much ground in the last couple of decades that it's been awesome to see her growth as a character. But the thing's pathos is hard to beat. It's some of the best in comic books. I, if he could just talk like a normal human being, it would be nice, though. <laughs> it's clobbering time. Nobody says that. Everybody says that. I was at the no, supermarket the no, other day. No, Somebody yes. couldn't lie to me. I said... It's clobbering time as That's I hit them over you. the head with my bagel. Benji Grimm. <laughs> do you remember? You remember the thing cartoon from the seventies? Yes. Fingering, do your thing with the schmoo when he was on with the schmoo. Yeah, dark I do times for Marvel properties. That's from Little Abner. I I, I don't understand how yeah. they got involved. And, and with the Flintstones. He was on the Flintstones too. The schmoo. That's right. <laughs> He's the only one who can hold down a solo book. Better than the Human Torch, who just flames out. Yes. I I had a hard time picking between Thing and Reed Richards, because I like them both. And Sue. 
But those are my three. Honestly, the Human Torch is usually the character I could probably live without, just simply because I never got him. Like, I, I just never, I don't know, he didn't have a lot of growth. He was always like, oh, look at me, I'm so young and hip, and I'm like, I don't get this. Uh, He's like the Abercrombie and Fitch of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> In any case, we've got uh, Mr. Miracle coming up right after these messages. Make sure that you're going out to at Last Comic Shop on Twitter every week to make sure that you see some of these great polls and vote in them. Because if you don't, we'll just keep putting them out and so just vote for them. Has this ever happened to you? You're in bed, drifting off, and suddenly think, Who would win in a tug-of-war match between Superboy and Merlin? Did Marvel ever try to make a long-haul trucker into a superhero? How would it work out if I named my dog after a D-list supervillain? The answers in order are Merlin. Yes. And amazing. I'm Jessica. And I'm Mike. And we host the podcast Ten Cent Takes, a show that looks at weird, silly, and cool moments from comics and how they're woven into the larger fabric of history. Moments like the time Superman shilled for Radio Shack. When Archie got tempted by the devil. Oh, and then there was that time that DC Comics gave a superhero AIDS in an effort to be topical. It's always weird around here, but we'd like to think it's also interesting. So come with us and commit random acts of pop culture archaeology, one issue at a time. If you'd like to learn more, head over to TenCentTakes.com. Hi everyone, I'm Nerd Bummer. And I'm Tectic, and we're two of the hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our podcast started as a way for three best friends to keep in touch and discuss their nerdy hobbies like movies, gaming, tech, and more. Since then, we've grown into a great community. Every Wednesday, we chat about the latest nerdy news before getting hands-on with our weekly nerdy adventures. And don't forget our high-stakes trivia game. Come join the fun at OnlineWarriorsPodcast.com and every major podcast platform. And now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back and we are going to review uh, Mr. Miracle that came out of DC Comics and eventually, uh, I think, shifted over to their black label circa 2017 and 2018. And so let's start with J.A. Why don't you give us the who's it's and the what's it's? Before we get into the review, uh, we just want to say that this book deals with suicide and attempted suicide. If you or someone you love is in crisis, please dial 988, the suicide prevention hotline, for free confidential support for people in distress, prevention, and crisis resources. Good call, dude. Good idea, yeah. Okay, so this was written by Tom King, art by Mitch Jarrett. He also did the colors and the variant covers, which I thought were actually the real covers because I didn't like the real covers. I preferred the variant covers. I like when my <laughs> interior artist does the cover, so I'm going to call them the real cover. Um, Clayton Cowles was the letterer. Nick Darrington did all the covers, which I am calling the variant covers. He did the real covers. <laughs> Way to confuse folks right out the gate. I know. It's just a little bit of what you're going to get with this whole book. <laughs> oh, buddy. All right. So, Mikey, you have been tasked with mm. the 10-cent synopsisizing mm. of this 12-issue series that yes. won the Eisner Award for Best Writer and Artist. Yes. So, Mikey, what you got, sir? What I think it's about? Mr. Miracle, Scott Free, finds the one thing that he can't escape and realizes what life is all about by dying. That's what I think it's about. Um, oh. 
<laughs> That's what I think it's about. But we'll get into that. Like yeah. he's dead. He's dead the whole time. But there's way more than that. I mean, it's like there's so much. Uh, general in the war against yes. Dark Side, and then he gets yes. promoted, and people die. And yes. then he has his relationship with Big Barda, who Funky yes. Flashman calls uh, Big Barbara. Big Barbara. <laughs> Big Barbara. Yes. Barbara. That brought me so much joy. I don't know why. Funky Flashman was my favorite character in this book. He Seriously, it was. It was the best parts of Stanley. It was the. It was Stanley mm-hmm. as you should remember Stanley. Yeah. Especially when now, he's playing with Jacob, Mister Miracle's son. Gosh, those were just heartwarming. Look, uh, Jolly Jack knows what he's talking about. It's yeah. his story. I'm just here to put in the yeah. words. But, you know, there's more to it. That, see, see, this is where we're going to go with this because there's more to it. And you'll hear how much more to it there is because it's like many Tom King things. And one of the reasons that I really like him is because it's, it's never really necessarily about what it seems to be about. So on, on this week's show, we're going to do something very interesting. This is one of Chad's favorite books. Like favorite, love it. And he has spent many and many hours pouring <laughs> over this book, and he's got like I don't know one of those bulletin boards with the strings and the thumbtacks, trying to figure all this out. So he's got a lot of theories about Mister Miracle, and he's come up with some of his biggest ones, which are going to drive today's conversation. So without further ado, it's now time for Chad's conspiracies. Yeah. They're not conspiracies. This is hard forged analysis. <laughs> many hours of digging deep yes. and making wow. wild uh, assumptions. Okay. All right. So conspiracy number one. All right. I'll start with the biggest one. Okay. Is Mr. Miracle infected with the anti-life equation? And is that really just depression? Well, it symbolizes depression because, you know, it's uh Tom King's kind of, you know, every writer injects himself into the story a little bit. And some people don't like that about him. I do. Yeah. A little bit of background on Tom King. He uh, had served in the CIA prior to becoming a comic book writer. That uh, definitely plays into some of the things that uh, he writes about. Andrew. I would say yes. I think that he's been infected with the anti-life equation and its depression just simply because my take on the anti-life equation is it's a very nebulous concept. Like, I never understood it in any of the DC. I was like, what the hell is this? I don't get this. I don't know what this is. But when he says it just means that you lose all hope, I was just like, oh, well, that's like clinical depression. That makes sense to me as a person. So long story short, maybe I'm taking a mental shortcut in my explanation of this. But, hey, if the shoe fits, it fits. That's Jay. Any additional thoughts? Well, I mean, this entire book is about a man's midlife crisis and coming to terms with having a baby. And it just happens to have comic book characters. So he had to use some tropes of the field to fill it out so people would read it. It just happens to be Mr. Miracle and Big Barda and the anti-life of creation, whatever. It's depression, it's marriage, it's childbirth, it's child-rearing, and it's dealing uh, with a, a family that's growing and living in a small condo where they've got to knock down walls and, and put in a new bathroom. The, the other thing I wanted to point out, one of the things this book is famous for, Tom King's panels, where he says, Dark Side is. And just, I don't need a response from this because... I don't care. Uh, <laughs> on my reading of the book, anytime you see Dark Side is in these panels, 
depression is winning. Hopelessness is winning. Like the anti-life to me is that hopelessness. It's, you know, you've sucked out all the joy of everything. And if you watch the panels where they throw in the dark side is, that's when Scott is getting ready to make a poor decision or getting ready to just lay down, you know, and then you might see things like things like Barta coming to his rescue and punching out Orion or yelling at light Ray to shut that F up light Ray. But every time you see those dark side is that's depression winning. The other thing I wanted to ask you guys, I don't know if you picked up on the glitches. That, about that, the glitches. Was, my, that was my question. I was going to say, what's going on with the glitches? Is it a VHS tape? Is it he's dead and this is his mind and memory sort of you remember things and then you watch like old videos and it's not quite how you remember them. I was like the 1980s seemed to be a lot more colorful in my memory than on the videotape because it's all washed out or so. I don't know. You know, it's like why everyone remembers the sixties as being pale because all the videos were. Well, see, I, I think I'm, I might be the only great. person on this show that doesn't think that Mr. Miracle's dead. My, my take on the whole thing was that he he's not dead that anytime there's a glitch, that's the anti-life equation messing with his mind and making him believe like this reality doesn't really exist. You you don't have a right to be happy. You don't have a right to be, you know, where you're at. It's like self-doubt. It's death and taxes. Awful things are going to happen to you, so you might as well accept it. That's just my take, Mikey. Right? About the glitches in particular? Yeah, yes. the glitches. Let's look at the glitches mm. for a minute. He's he's kind of having trouble really like he's losing focus like he's losing because it looks like, you know, it looks like VHS tracking and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's like maybe his memories are blurring about what it actually is. Having dealt with mental illness in my life before, it, it's something that was familiar, like it was oddly familiar. It's like, OK, I get it. No, that's my interpretation. And, and Andy, just for the record, I, I think I'm on your side. I, I have a totally different reading of this book that uh, is very hopeful. But I think those glitches are like blackout moments. You know, he's in a bad place. Scott Free is infected with the anti-life equation from the beginning. And those glitches, you know, it's not just him succumbing. It's him losing it. Like, he glitches out whenever Orion is killed. Do you guys think he kills Orion? No, no, I, I actually don't. Because I, I think okay. Darkseid sincerely kills him because he wants to screw with Scott. Darkseid's all about control, and he's he doesn't want to relinquish control over Scott. And so, like, he's putting him in a position where he can't he can't win. That's like Darkseid's mo. Um, there you go. I love it. The other thing I just wanted to bring up about the glitches is like when they occur because they're not always in battle like but you will see like pronounced glitches like six or seven in a row in times of great stress like when he's in the interview talking to the great godfrey you know he glitches out a little bit and it's it's like he blacks out but it also will occur in like small intimate moments like when he's in the bedroom with big barbara there there are some of those glitchy moments and even sometimes like when the, his son starts crying and he has to go into the crib and like that moment before he picks up his son, and like there's a glitchy moment. And mm-hmm. for me, the way I always read that, that, that is similar to what Mikey said, that, that loss of focus, that unease, that even when things are going well, I always equate it to uh, I'm deathly afraid of heights. Okay. And so when I go and I'm in a position like on the top of a building and I look down, 
there's always that part of me in the back of my head that's like, what if you fell? You get like that kind of vertigo where it's like, ah, and you know, it's not something I can control. And I, you know, I have to step back even just to control myself. And that's what I think mm-hmm. those glitches are where it's like, ah, it's, he could, he could fall into, to whatever at any time, even, even when he's most happy, like, oh crap, there it comes again. It's a manifestation of his psyche dealing with outside influences and outside forces that he wasn't prepared or ready to deal with. So, you know, new things, new uh, input, be it in battle or the baby or I mean, I think he glitches even when he's putting his hands in concrete at man's Chinese theater, which I really like against Jack Kirby. One of the other things I was going to bring up was I thought that the glitches are intrinsically tied to the conversation he has. I think it's an issue five where he's uh, on a date with uh, Barda and he starts talking about Kant and the whole notion of I think, therefore I am. I I think it's one of those moments where sometimes when you suffer from mental illness, because I also have experienced it in my life, you can start doubting reality. And you can doubt like your interpretation of reality and what's real and what's not. And I feel like those glitches are those moments when like he doesn't know whether or not it's actually happening or not. You know, he's being intimate with Barda. Like maybe he's like, well, how could I be, you know, with such a wonderful woman? Like maybe that maybe that intensity is, is, is scaring him. And he's like, this can't be real. But I think it's intrinsically tied with this whole notion of like, I, I don't know whether even I exist. I mean, that, just a, just a thought. Just yeah. throwing it out there. No, I love it. Now, we are getting kind of heavy, so let's break up the heaviness a little bit. Despite all the glitching, despite the mental illness, this book is hilarious. Yeah. And, like, every yeah. issue, I would find a part that, like, would leave me smiling or laughing or, you know, some gag. So do you guys have a favorite gag or a favorite page or a favorite nine-panel spread or Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm just going to say it right here and now. This series has the best nine panel spread of all time. And that is Dark Side eating a veggie tray. <laughs> that experience for me, I, I don't know, the juxtaposition of basically death dunking carrots and ranch dressing. Such a banal. Conspiracy theory? Do you think he double dips? He's got to. He's evil. Like, why not? <laughs> also, he's eating from the tray that will ultimately kill him. Uh, I mean, vegetables aren't always good for you. Let's just. That's right. You know, especially with all that ranch. <laughs> what I'm saying is the juxtaposition of those two things. That's why I read comics. It's really hard to do those kind of things and not make it seem cliche, not make it seem corny. But in this, it works. And it works in spades. So, yeah, I just got to throw that out there. J.A.? I loved when, after they had had Jacob, and they're just basically working parents. So, oh, she's at the job, so I'm looking after Jacob. (laughs) And then he's at the work, and they're they're always talking through the mother box. I love how the mother box is essentially an iPhone or an Android Mm -hmm. device. And they just treat the mother box as like... And he's like, oh, the boom tube. It'll be here in three minutes when he's out drinking with his buddies. Oh, no. Now it's been four minutes. I thought those things were supposed to be right on time. He's basically <laughs> complaining that his Uber's late. Yeah. Nice. My- Mikey, do you have a favorite page or gag? Or- um, There's so many funny things in it. Like, like how she breaks the news to him that he's pregnant. 
that, that whole, whole issue. It's a whole issue. It's a whole issue. That's wonderful. But I think the part that made me sort of like kind of crack up the most were the Furies in the waiting room when she's waiting to have the baby. And like, like he comes out and he's exhausted and she's like, you know, I'm going to kill you with that knife. And yeah. he's like, well, okay. You They've know? given him the knife. To, yeah. It's the only thing that could cut Barda. It's epic in its scope. These are gods fighting gods, but then it's brought back down to a very relatable thing. It's like going and getting groceries or, and the, the like his dialogue is so good. It's so mm-hmm. natural and so re- there's the shot. It's a it's a drink on the bar and people talking and you know exactly who's talking by the dialogue. Like you don't even have to see them. You know exactly that it's Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. And, and you know from the first conversation bubble when they're talking about what are we going to call ourselves? Blue and the gold and the red and the green and the yellow. <laughs> think somebody says like uh it's getting pretty late and they're like yeah but booster you have a time machine can't you fix pretty late you know and he's like well yeah but i think i left it in the hotel like just like real all the relationship dynamics he has the hmm. buddy relationships down he has the the brother relationships down with orion was like, yeah and that whole scenario i i did want to bring up the one of my favorite scenes is the one where scott free has been sentenced to be executed by his brother orion and uh, he has like one day left and it's him and Barda and they're sitting in traffic on the 405. Mm-hmm. Barda's stressed about everything and, you know, to use the boom tube would cause uh, some sort of disruption. So they're sitting there and he's like, do we have a song? Like, I have the mother box. I can play a song. Mm-hmm. She's like, we met in the pits, Scott. All the noises were the moans of the damned. It was not a moment. Mm-hmm. And he's like, mother box, can you play uh, some of the moans of the damned? <laughs> and yeah. then, like for the next four or five panels, like, no, my leg. Oh, yeah. they took my leg. Ah! Yeah. And they're just sitting in the car laughing and smiling. And like, that's what relationships are about. They're about those conversations. They're about those moments, the, the in-between time when you're together. And boy, boy, does Tom King and, and Mitch Jarrett's too. I don't want to sell Mitch Jarrett short because he is masterful mm. in this. It is such a relationship. And, Every issue, there's a moment. Oh, yeah, there's so there's so much. Me. Like when when what's his name tells that they they go to pee and what's his name tells the story about having a relationship <laughs> da with Leonardo da Vinci, and he tells that that really great story about the two painters. And then like pages and pages later, he's like, "Hey, remember that story I told you about? I was lying, you know." He's like, "Because when you're talking to the Son of God, you have to say something, you know." You yeah. Know? It's like well, that, well, that's it's the so thing. Good. The most amazing thing was, you know, getting to meet Tom King at at Baltimore Comic Con recently. And when I was sitting there and I was talking with him, basically simply asked Chad and I, he's like, what would you guys do to like fix like the DC universe or movies or something like that? Or why are MCU movies better? I I don't know. Whatever you said. And I said, I I have sometimes difficulty because the stakes don't seem something that I can relate to. They seem like gods punching gods. And I, I just don't I don't get it. And he was like, yes, that's it. And if you read Mr. Miracle, that's what he fixes. It's yeah. not about gods punching gods. It's about Although the relationships. Although you have that, but well, that's the, the, the work. The, the Marvel movies are Saturday morning cartoons. The DC movies are Wagnerian operas. I mean, that's the it is it is gods punching gods because that's what they are. It just depends on where you come from. You can come from like the angle of – uh, Grant Morrison when he wrote JLA where everybody was a representation of a Greek god and things like that or you could come from an angle of when J.M. Demetrius uh, wrote 
Justice League and they were, you know, cracking jokes. They even make a reference to that in Mr. Miracle. They're sitting outside drunk and he says, blah, ha, ha at one point. Cause, and that's oh, a yeah. reference. Cause that, I think there's that's an JLI. Other, one of the things that's interesting about Tom King and fans and, and, and a lot of fans don't dig on Tom King. And the one thing they always say about him is that he doesn't know these characters. And I think that's bullshit. And I think he knows <laughs> the characters better than they do. Because this book is so loaded with references and and just... As someone who doesn't know these characters at all. I mean, I've never read a Mr. Miracle book before. I've never read a Big Barda book before. I mean, I know Orion from the New Gods that we read, you know, just the original stuff. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was like, give me more of this. I'm like, I'm team Big Barda now. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's the best. But... And maybe people who have lived with these characters and grown into them, maybe it's one of those things that they don't like how Tom King is handling those characters. But as someone who doesn't have any skin in the game at all, because I never knew any of them, I loved it. And now I want to read more of them. So as a, an opening into the DC world and into the New Gods world, it's very approachable. It wasn't sort of just like, you know, Superman against Doomsday with oh, makeup cities being destroyed. They don't even live in a makeup city. They live in Hollywood. Which is kind of a makeup city, but I, yeah. that's not true, right? <laughs> it's all fake. Uh, to go back to Mikey's point, I don't think Tom King doesn't understand the characters. Part of this book is all about how he doesn't give a damn about continuity. Mm-hmm. And so Darkseid can rip out his eye in this book, and it doesn't matter. If it's a great story, if it's a compelling story, then that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many other things like... And his Batman run that he disregards or, you know, uh, Omega Man. It's like so many things are missing outside of continuity. If you're a stickler for that, if you're like, well, Kanto wouldn't really do that. I mean, Kanto is obviously the greatest fighter and he couldn't get punched out by me. No, you're you're going to yeah. miss it. You're going to miss out on all the fun. He's and that's willing. a shame. Yeah, yeah, that's a shame. Continuity ruins everything. Indeed. All right. So I'm going <laughs> to fast forward some of the, my, my crackpot theories because we've talked a lot already. The tape. Did you guys notice the tape over the eyes? The tape over the eyes. Yeah. No. Go, I did, I did go not. back and look at Oberon. Issue one. Well, uh, Oberon's it, dead. Oberon's. Oh, does it? Right. Oh, that's what it is. Dead people. Yep. It's drawn in like there's a piece of scotch tape on the panel. Oh wow. I totally still missed see that. Through it. You can still. Yeah. So I, I totally I, I missed honestly, that. I totally missed that too. So yeah, if you look at issue number one, you'll see that the eyes are. It's like there's scotch tape over Oberon's eyes. Mm-hmm. Whenever Granny Goodness talks later on in the book, you will see tape over Granny Goodness's eyes. And so what do you guys think uh, King and Jared's are trying to get at in terms of taping over these characters that have passed away but are now hmm. communicating with Scott Free? Any any ideas? And can I say Danny DeVito has to play Oberon? Like, he has <laughs> to. Uh, they, they. I don't know if I took it as tape as, as much as part of the glitch, like part of the the unreality. For example, the conversations that he has with Oberon, I think it's in the last issue. I feel like those are just conversations that he wanted to have with Oberon that he never got a chance to. Uh, I know that my dad has passed away and there were some things that I would have wanted to say. And, you know, part of the healing of, you know, sometimes losing somebody that was very close to you is having a moment where you just talk out loud to that person mm-hmm. as if they're there. Because it it's it's therapeutic in some ways. That's that's yeah. I, I didn't take it anything other than that as him just trying to make sense. Maybe maybe I'm not reading into this as much. Maybe it's just pretty straightforward for me. 
Well, you know, it's funny because when I was when I was reading this and I'm not always the best at seeing symbolism at first. It takes me a couple of times. Like, you know, Watchmen is loaded with I mean, like, yeah, the blood over the eye visual thing. You can see that repeated all through. But like the whole like fearful symmetry issue. And I had no idea that was a thing. So, you know, this is my second full read through of this. And I picked up a few more things, but then I wonder if I'm creating symbolism in my head. So I, I missed that, uh, the, the tape over the eyes. But I was wondering if there's symbolism with comics in general and the inclusion of, like, Jack Kirby's handprints and the fact that the baby's name is Jack. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's... he's Notice he's, the tape over the kid's eyes, too, buddy. Yeah, he's dead. My theory is that Scott Free is dead. Or it's like a, it's a wonderful life kind of thing. Because I haven't used him since this. Mr. Miracle is a different person now. Mr. Miracle is is uh, is Shiloh. Is Shiloh. So but DC sucks. <laughs> and how do you follow this up? Thank right, you. right. You, you can't. I mean, this is uh, the definitive story. Anyway, because I like that storyline with well, Shiloh. It, like, it, that it ends, Shiloh is it, good. It ends with the Mr. Miracle series will not be continued. So, Jay, any uh, tape things before I espouse my my theory here? No. I want to hear it. So I'm very similar to what you were talking about, Andy, is when people are gone, you're left with the memory of those people, right? And so you have these images. And the way I saw the tape is, like, you can have those conversations with those people, but ultimately – you're, you're pasting life back into them to have those conversations. You're taping mm. the eyes back in. And even at the end, when Darkseid is taking out his eye for the anti-life equation, like that's your spark of hope that you're trying to imbue in these other people that you're like, okay, we can talk now. Like you, You've taped all that stuff back in. You're holding it together with uh, twine and wire and duct tape and everything else. Because it, my reading of this, Mikey, is not that he's dead. My reading of okay. this is that it's not about death. It's about mm-hmm. Mr. Miracle escaping depression. And I think he escapes depression through the support of Big Barda. I think he escapes depression through being able to work out his issues with his family. I think he escapes depression through becoming a father. And there's that scene. It's a two-page spread where he's on the battlefield. And uh, you know he's fighting and he's fighting and he's getting his ass kicked. And he falls down and you get a dark side is panel where it's like, Oh, depression wins for that brief moment. And then the mother box turns on and he's a, there's that ping. And then the mother box cues in and uh, it's Barton. She's like, Scott, Scott, you got to listen to this. Uh, he, he's funky. Show him mm-hmm. the picture. And the, and his kid is talking mm-hmm. and you see in the, the nine panel grid, God bless the nine panel grid. You see Mr. Miracle pick himself up like just one, one motion at a time. You know, they're like, Scott, every time he sees your face, he's saying, dad, dad, dad. And then Scott starts singing, you know, if that mockingbird won't sing and he stands up and he walks back into battle, you know, at that moment, he has what he needs mm-hmm. to escape whatever problems he's going to face. That's cool. Right. And so my well, reading is a much more hopeful. Version. Yeah. Andy? No, and I think that's how the, the, the series ends. Uh, I think w- just throwing out my, I guess, my only conspiracy theory from this particular reading and his conspiracy theory. is dealing with Metron at the end where Metron shows him. And I think that's why a lot of people think he's dead because he shows them the other world with like Superman and Batman or whatever. My take on that is like, he shows them this because part of this journey 
is, as we've all mentioned, to finality, to like a part where like Mr. Miracle is going to be able to live a normal life. He's going to be living a happy life. He's not having to worry about the war and dark side and his jerk older brother and whatever else and all this politics and even stupid high father and his guilt around being left by his dad and stuff like that. He doesn't have to deal with any of that. He's going to finally have a good life. And Metron's like, look, you can go back to the way things were where it's like DC continuity, 24 hours a day, where the story is going to continue forever and your battles and your journeys and your adversaries are going to continue forever. Don't you want that? And he's like, hell no. I don't want that. I've escaped that. Mm -hmm. He's going to lay on the couch with Barda. Exactly. I'm going to lay on the couch. I'm going to live my life without all this drama. Thank you. I don't, I don't need all those superheroes. I just need them for t-shirts and baby <laughs> dolls. Cause that's what they are. Batman's a, a doll in the yeah. crib and, and he's always wearing, he's got the Batman logo one day. He's got the flash logo one day. He's essentially mm-hmm. us. He's wearing comic book t-shirts and, and then, he's and going around the house dealing with a baby who can't go down and is a bit colicky. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he's wearing an Adam Strange T-shirt, and King does that. He hides hints as to what his next book is going to be. One last crackpot theory, Mikey, and this is something where I don't have an answer. And I've asked Tom King to his face. And what did he say? I didn't like it. What did he say? Tell us us the thing and tell us what he said. Okay, so Barda's eyes. You guys notice how Barda's eyes shifted color? Change color, yeah. At one point, he even calls it out in the first issue. He's like, mm-hmm. your eyes are green. Weren't, weren't your eyes blue? She's like, no, my eyes have always been hazel or whatever the color is. I'm colorblind. Brown. Yeah. Brown. When the eyes are changing, what's up with that? I, well, what did he say? He left me with a question about, well, what's real and what's not? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, you mm-hmm. know, the questioning of reality. And you can see throughout the course of the book, there are occasions where Barda's eyes are blue. There are occasions where Barda's eyes are brown. There's one panel where Barda's one eye is blue and her other eye is brown. Well, I think it goes hand in hand with uh, what we've been talking about this whole time. That when you're suffering from mental illness, that can really mess with your perception of reality. Even if you remember things properly, like you can be, you can start doubting yourself. If you're, and this is, Scott Free is like consumed with self-doubt. Like the guy, his, his dad left him. He was tortured for most of his childhood, like he's got a lot of issues. And so if you were really messed up, like asking your wife, like, wasn't your birthday that day? And you're like, no, my birthday's always been this. And you're like, I, I don't remember that. And yeah. so yeah. I, that's just my take. I Maybe again, maybe I'm cutting well, to the chase. They even mention it, that he creates a world that's false. You know, he, you know, they even say you've managed to escape that false world that you made. So perhaps it's like, you know, when her eyes are brown, it's it's the world he's creating for himself. And when they're blue, it's the actual one. And when they're mixed, it's sort of like a mix of the two. You know, I, I don't know. This is one of those books that, like, I see myself going back to. Oh, yeah. You know, no, I love it. All right. Mm-hmm. Before we get to ratings, uh, let's just end on a high note. No more conspiracies. Mm. Uh Give me one thing from this book that you thought was absolutely awesome. Maybe it's a relationship thing. Maybe it's an action thing. Maybe it's a comedy thing. Andy, go start us off. I mean, I already brought up the veggie tray. I can't. I, I know, mean, I, I, I will say this. Like, 
from beginning to end. And it's, it's hard to say that there was one issue that stood out above all the others. But if I was like on a desert island and only, I could only take one issue of this book, it would be issue 11. I mean, yeah, issue 12 is all the conclusion of that. But this is the high point. And everything from like this unstoppable laser that's being, you know, hidden inside of a baby carriage. Nine panel gray where Jacob is, is scooting over and he grabs Darkseid's nose. There's even a scene where they first show up and like the Furies are like hugging and like, you know, you can tell that there's like there's a sisterhood there. Everything. It's just, like the in-laws. It's when you go over yeah. to the in-laws. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. hi, Uncle Tom. Hi. It's, they sit at that table, but it's not. there's no table legs. It's just people that they've captured and they're under there. And my goodness, <laughs> when there's that scene where just dark sides just laying into him and he just wants to lay there and he just wants to take it. And Barda, mm-hmm. being Barda and... I hope everybody in their life has somebody that will pick them up like Barda does with Scott in this and says, no, get up like you are better than this. Well, she does the Orion thing. She does what Orion does in the first issue where, you know, he's knocked down and Orion keeps saying stand and he's like standing, you know, and they hit him again. But it matters. Right. By the end of it, you see you see that what Orion did to him saves his life and orion literally saves his life because that's how he makes uh right right the foreign sword or whatever that thing's yeah. called it, it was right. just yeah. the best issue there you jay go. do you have a moment that you stands out for you that we haven't talked about you want to say is oh that's awesome yes i love when they're looking at the ultrasound uh, they're in the hospital big bard is pregnant for the second time and the nurse is like well we're going to do some measurements today but she looks good if anything maybe a little big oh. and i was like that's perfect so he's got a he's got a son jacob and he's got a big daughter oh my goodness and those moments I, we're all fathers here when they're in there in the ultrasound and there's like no heartbeat for a minute and like oh my goodness like yes. immediately mm-hmm. like your heart goes out ah that little touch of the nurses calling her mom because they actually do that as, oh, yeah. as the, the woman is mom during the birth process. Okay, mom, give it a push. Give it a, you know, uh, that's something that, you know, you only know from, from experience. Like you only, right? only know that from, from being there. Yeah. All right, Mikey, do you have oh. a moment of awesomeness that we haven't talked oh, about? Oh goodness. Um, there's so many of them. I, I, I really like when like they just for all intents and purposes killed dark side and she gives him shit about saying the f word in front of him <laughs> like that because it's a combination of things it's like okay these are two people that have seen war before basically all their life they've seen all i, I mean, it was either that or the fact that like i could hear granny goodness's voice in my head even though i've never heard granny goodness's voice when i read it i used a voice like i was like my darling boy oh, you yeah. know like that's what she sounds like to me she sounded like cruella deville from the original Oh, uh, and th- and then the punchline on that last the last page of the nine panel grid where they're all standing there and everybody's all beat up and you know they're using the Jack Kirby exposition. Darkseid's dead, laying there, stabbed through the head. It's Scott. It's Bart. It's Scott. It's the baby. And then the baby's like, oh. so hilarious. Oh mm-hmm. man, yeah. that was great. Andy, you mentioned issue eleven, and I know Mikey has mentioned my favorite issue of this book. It's issue six. Yes. It's the one where they are talking about the apartment 
another bedroom? We need another bedroom? It's like, we have a blow-up mattress. Yeah. That's fine. So who's going to be in the living room? Who's in the new room? And you knew and, where it was going. You knew where it was going. I'm like, oh, she's pregnant. She's pregnant. Kind of. Well, it's, even before that, where they're like, you know that time we had Betty over? She went to get water and then got stabbed. She's like, but that yeah. won't happen again. I put a sign on the Stabatron. She's like, did you? I was like, I'm going to put a sign on the Stabatron. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, right. It's those little things, man. I, just I am it. glad that you bring that issue up. My favorite sequence or nine-panel grid in that particular issue is I love Mitch Jared's drawing of Mr. Miracle climbing on top of the rope. Oh, yeah. Well, while Fart is underneath. Fart is underneath the rope. Just how they're in sync with each other. They're on opposite sides of this rope, but like they're going at the same time. They're going on this journey. It's just, we, again, I don't, we've talked a lot about Tom King, Mitch Jarrett's nails. Oh, some yeah. Of these yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. To, it does sound like we kind of short shafted him, but there, you, it's the two of them together. It, it's just, uh, and I understand he drew a, a run of Punisher. And if anybody yeah. could get me to buy Punisher, it would be, it would be that. Because I don't like Punisher. The only other run I own is 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 Howard Jenkins' runs. And there's little tiny touches, like when when they're coming out of the bar and uh, Skeets is kind of scooting around. There's like a little <laughs> dotted line behind him, like like you can hear it. You can hear him going like. It's just it's like it's a it's a image I can hear. Like it, I don't know. All right. There's so much. We might have to review this book again next year. Well, but yeah, let's I get think to, to our ratings. And JA, as always, brings for us our rating scale. So Jay, what's it going to be? One thing that I've pointed out enough. I mean, all, all this is built on Jack Kirby's world. So you get all these crazy names for stuff and crazy named characters like granny goodness. And my favorite, the boom tube. So yeah. one out of four boom tubes because boom. they go boom. Eddie kiss. I think this is going to be a pretty simple grade. I, maybe I'll be wrong. I don't know. It, so I'll go first. Four out of four. Four boom tubes. I don't need to say anything more. It's great. Go pick it up today. J.A.? Yep. I'm four out of four boom tubes as well. In fact, I just bought it on Amazon. Right now, I'm getting the... Ooh, uh, did you get the deluxe edition hardback? The deluxe edition hardback. Yeah. Yes, I did. I need that's to got, get that. That's got... Oh, oh to see the script side by side with uh, some of the images. I read all the yeah, individuals. That's a treat. Yeah. That is a treat. Not only did I buy it and trade and get an autograph and get a little sketch of there for Mitch Jarrett's, I went back and bought all the issues and have it digitally. I'm going to end up shelling out for that, uh, the deluxe hardcover mm. too. This is just a book that's worth having all the time. Mm. Anyway, Mikey, what's your ratings? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I want to thank you guys for making me reread this because I promptly went and read Vision. And Vision is awesome too. So anyway, um, I mean it's a it's a four. It's four boom it's four boom tunes and a mother box. Like it's more than four. And it deserves every award that it won. Yeah, I, I cannot think of a book that has spoken to me more uh in the last twenty-five years than this book. You know, everything from at the very end, Scott shaves off his depression beard. You know, yeah. like there's so much like the fatherhood angle, the relationship angle, and, and King and Jared's they they just kill it. And like I said, this is probably my favorite modern comic book. If I could give it more than four, I would. But uh, I'm not going to go Andy and Judge Dredd. Oh. So. <laughs> well, as I said, and Barta does love when he shaves off the beard. Oh, you yep. look nice. That's it. I still have my depression beard. I haven't shaved it off yet. But I'll get to that point because hope springs eternal, just like hope springs eternal for Mr. Miracle. Right. I've got that family behind me. Fun final question. Since we give it all unanimous four out of fours, 
We're starting off season three. Let's maybe plant a flag here. Is this the best book we've covered on this show? Mm, sure. Oh. We got a sure from Mikey. J.A.? I don't know. We covered a lot of really good books. Um, mm. All right. Chad? I want to consult the data. <laughs> yes. Give me a minute. I was just looking. So Mouse, we gave all fours. Spider-Man's Craven's Last Hunt, all fours. Parker, the Martini Edition, all fours. Mm. Yep. V for Vendetta, all fours. Yep. And with that said, J.A., none of them come close. This is the... <laughs> I, I go back to my... Wonder Woman, Dead best. Earth. I love Wonder Woman, Dead Earth. I love Superman Smashes the Clan. They are both fantastic books that I would recommend based on your age to just about everybody. But I genuinely believe my heart of hearts. This is the best book in the last 25 years. It's the best book we've done on the show to this point. I've looked at the data. Mm -hmm. I've crunched the numbers. This is the tops. And going back, Mikey brought up the question about do I love everything that Tom King has done? That answer is no. Tom King as an author uh, can be hit or miss for me. The stuff that I, I love, I, I really enjoy, but like things like Rorschach, Rorschach didn't speak to me that much. Omega Men didn't speak to me. Strange Adventures I liked, but I, I agree with Dandy that it was a bit of a letdown on the other side. And Batman would go back and forth. Like there'd be some really great stories in Batman and some stories where it's like, oh, this is what I'm reading. Okay. You don't capture lightning in a bottle often like they do. Although if I see King and Jared's working on a book, I'm sure, certainly going to pick it up. Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Supergirl was great. But then the ending was like, eh. So yeah. th- they've definitely earned, based on Mr. Miracle, they've earned a pickup, whatever they put out there. But this is just tops of the tops. The way you talk about it reminds me of my thoughts of Saga, where you said, you know, it spoke to you more than anything in 25 years. It's your favorite modern comic. That was what Saga was to me. That's how it, that actually got me back into comic books. Saga got me Mm. back into comic books. And reading this, I was thinking about, wow, this is so good. And this reminds me a lot of Saga too. You know, it's it's, uh, adult. It it deals with adult issues. It's interesting. Um, You know, it's complex. It's not black and white. There's even... Dark side, so vile and evil, has you know. Th- there's complexity to him. He's not mm-hmm. just this foil for Mister Miracle. So everything you said, Chad, I agree with. I think that's why it's so great. And and it's interesting to me that when I was reading this, I was thinking about the book that made a m- profound impact on me as a forty year old. And it's similar to you with this book. Well, there you go. And we hope to bring you more of those books. In future on other podcasts, because it's, it's all downhill from here. The entire year. They're all going to be like, eh, they're not as good as Mr. Miracle, but you should still listen. Go out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss any of our episodes. We've got 51 more coming up here in 2023, and we hope that you are along for the ride for all of them. And make sure that if you are bagging and boarding your comics, go out to bcwsupplies.com and make sure that you're using promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off all of those awesome things to protect comics like your collection of Mr. Miracle. 
So again, L-C-S-P-O-D for 10% off, bcwsupplies.com. And find us on the socials at Last Comic Shop. And you can always go back to home base, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Jay, do we have any uh, merch deals here to start the year off? We do. If you want to be like Mr. Miracle and wear a comic book inspired T-shirt when you're lounging around the house and or going through uh, trying to get your baby to go back to bed, check out our merch store. We've got Last Comic Shop T-shirts for all the family. Make sure that you're tuning in next week. We are going to have an interview with Eisner Award winner Kelly Thompson, as well as artist Meredith McLaren, to talk about their new upcoming book, Black Cloak, which will be in comic book shops on January 11th. So make sure that you're tuning in next week so that you can hear all about this awesome new freshness with Mikey Wood joining us for another show. Any case, until next week, I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And we hope that you stay safe, stay with it. <laughs> Keep it together. And uh, remember that if Granny Goodness gives you a mirror that allows you to look underneath your skin, you don't put it in the bathroom, you're going to piss off your wife. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Comic Shop was a 2023 Black Angus production.